Welcome along to the Go Perform podcast. I'm Dan, and this is the very first podcast that we've done. Um, and I thought it'd be great to have Tristan Baker, head of performance here, join me so we can have a chat about his career, um, all things Go Perform, where we've come from, and where maybe even he's hoping it might go. I don't know. But we'll see. How you doing, Tristan? How's, how's your day been so far? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dan. It's really good to um, be on the first one of these. Hopefully it's uh, a, a long runner. And um, yeah, it's exciting. My day's been good. I've had a uh, number of hours coaching already today. So yeah, this is uh, a nice thing to do in the afternoon as well. We're literally sat two o'clock in the afternoon on an industrial estate in Reading at GoPerform in one of the back rooms. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a new experience for us. So Tristan, I guess I've known you since 2011, which is nearly 12, 13 years. Um, and we first met at Reading Football Club. Um, and you came in and we had this incredible season which involved us winning the league and getting promoted to the Premier League. What was your experience of, of all of that? Yeah, so um, I, uh, I started at Reading, um, like you say, in 2011 um, as an intern, a sports science intern, I think was my title, my job title. But I'd, I'd been, um, I'd graduated uni maybe two years prior to that. Um, so I'd already been working as a, a self-employed personal trainer to try and make my way in the world prior to that. But um, yeah, I always wanted to move into the um, performance aspect of, of the of the industry, the sports side of the industry. Um, and yeah, I, it, I was uh, lucky enough to be taken on as, a, as an intern at Reading and even luckier to be in the right place at the right time where mm. it was, um, you know, a winning season. We got promoted and um, I was offered a, a full-time role as, as part of that um, that promotion so yeah like I say it, it wouldn't have happened I'm sure it wouldn't have happened if the club had stayed in the championship that year so massively lucky for me and, and sort of a turning point in my career that um, that, that happened and that I was uh, I was lucky enough to be taken on full time mm. and then during that period so you were running for several years but I remember you starting your masters in strength and conditioning I think it was St Mary's University um, which is pretty cool. And you're, you're kind of combining that with full-time work at Reading and travelling and all the things that involved. Um, and then I remember towards the end of your Masters, you kind of come in and saying you'd met some, someone had come and had a meeting with all the, all the students about opportunities in Formula One with Hintzer. Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, it was an online thing, actually. But yeah, I'd, I'd been doing my Masters during um, uh, my time at Reading. Um, it was something that I'd, I'd chosen to do whilst, whilst working full-time as well. Um, and it opened a lot of doors for me, kind of from a from a technician standpoint. So as a practitioner, I, I you know managed to um, add a lot of strings to my bow. Met a lot of people that I still count as part of my network through that as well. Some people doing really good things. Um, and then yeah, it actually uh, um, also included a, uh, a movers in terms of the next step of my my career, which was into Formula One. So it was a it was an online kind of advert, really posted exclusively. Out on the St Mary's Masters um, bulletin board, effectively mm. online, and uh, and I sort of asked for a bit more information about it. It was super casual. I just met a guy, um, one of the coaches in in a cafe in London. We had a discussion about it, and uh, and he said, "Okay, thanks very much. I'll keep your CV on file, and uh, if anything comes up, then then we'll let you know." So I sort of left it thinking, oh, "I'm never going to hear from this guy ever again." It's mm. one of those classic ones, of like, "Yeah, we'll let you know." But about six months later, um, he just got in touch out of the blue and said, we've got a few opportunities for the following season. And uh, and then that would have been into the 2015 season. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that led to me um, working one-to-one with a driver, which was a, a really new, very different experience to working in football. Um, obviously, a, a, a field-based team sport. And then a massive sudden change to being 
a one-man show again, I guess you could say, because you're working with one-to-one -one with a driver, you're um, responsible for his fitness, his nutrition, his sleep, hydration, everything that goes into just making him tick and making him be a, as good as he can be in the car to make the car perform really well. Um, so that was a that was a massive learning curve and, and something really different and a real challenge as well because you know not just logistically traveling in and out of different time zones but also just a, a massive change in terms of the culture of working in football and, and the sort of athletes and personalities you'd have in there versus those in motorsport as well so yeah that was a really fun year did a little bit of time the uh, following season as well in the world endurance championships which is a different kind of demand on the driver um, but then halfway through that year I transitioned with Hints of Performance, who's um, the company I was working for, um, and to the corporate side of things. So I was working with high performers on the sort of corporate finance um, world, I guess you could say. So less of a sporting outcome, but a really kind of formative experience for me because mm. I got to go deeper into um, things like nutrition and sleep and just general holistic wellness with people who are, you know, real high performers making million pound decisions every day. Um, and trying to get the best out of them. They mm. have their own version of performance, just like an athlete does. And um, yeah, so that was really interesting and really eye-opening um, uh, and, and a good year spent spent doing that. And then that takes us up to about the starting starting point of Go Perform. Yeah, so I remember we, we were following you and keeping in touch and had half an eye on, like, you know, because we had this dream of Go Perform from probably 2015, but the reality was to to find a building and to get planning permission and, and investment and all of those things was, was still a big challenge really. So we had this vision of setting up a training ground type facility that anyone could access, any background, any sport. Um, and thankfully uh, it came together. And so we thought we need someone here that can, can set up all the performance side, you know, strength and conditioning, the testing, um, the sports science. And obviously having worked together and seen how you were at Reading and as a person, we were really keen that, to persuade you to uh, to join us full time. So I remember we met you in a hotel um, somewhere near Heathrow off the M4. Um, and yeah. we had a chat and we kind of pitched it to you nervously thinking, I'm not sure if he'll go for this. But would you remember that conversation? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> Mainly because two reasons I really remember that conversation. First one is because I... Um, that's, it was a bit of a full circle moment because mm. I started, that was my first gym job in that hotel. We were in the, the restaurant of that hotel. And then the other one was I completely misunderstood what you guys were, because <laughs> I knew that you guys were kind of building something. Um, and I completely misunderstood it. And I thought you guys were looking for some investment from me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not, I'm, yeah, but I, then there was a bit of clarification. And um, yeah, I was obviously jump at the chance to work with you guys again and um, had a really good working relationship um, with yourself, with Luke and, and Sarah and everyone that we work closely with again now at Go Perform. So it's nice to be based in Reading and, and still have that nice tight-knit network that we had um, at the football club and obviously in a slightly different uh, setting now. And I think we were all taking gambles all round, really. So we, four of us were employed full-time to work at Go Perform in this kind of small industrial estate in the middle of Whitley in Reading. Um, and having been employed and then essentially doing our own thing. That was pretty scary. I think we all took a gamble. Um, but my view is we all kind of trusted and knew each other and if anyone was going to make it work, hopefully we would. Um, do you remember those early days and how, like what was your experience of kind of setting up training programs and working with people? Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it was really, it was both exciting and nerve wracking because yeah, like I say, it was a, it was a big risk all round, but 
I think the exciting part for me was even before we opened, it was just a bit of a dream to set up a gym and design a mm. gym myself and, and kind of go through that that kind of um, process really and, and be in contact with suppliers and all the rest of it. So that was quite a, a sort of um, fun experience and, and a big learning curve as well. But um, in terms of once the doors were open, I uh, you mentioned we wanted to have a sort of training ground environment and I tried to set things up. To, to be a bit of a hybrid of what we would kind of work at Reading and what I thought might work with the general public and yeah. as well as having people that are athletically minded come through the doors as well. Um, so, you know, that might, you know, that, that generally kind of work, but that definitely wasn't what the first iteration of that yeah, yeah. certainly isn't what it is now. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that's just something that, that naturally happens as you open or as you go through a process like we've gone through, you just naturally find your way with these things and find what, what works and strip away what doesn't. And uh, yeah, luckily it's, um, it's it's really been taken on by our great community and, and everyone's really embraced what we're, what we're trying to do. And what do you say to people that possibly think that it's not for them because they're not an elite athlete or they're not high-end mover or whatever it might be? Like, what would you say to that? Yeah, do you know what? It's a, it's a really common thing that we get um, almost any new starter or anyone who's inquiring about starting with us on a on a um, on our membership on our training membership or even on the, the physiotherapy side of things, um, I often hear, "Oh, you know, I'm not an athlete. I can't train here. I'm not elite level. I can't train here." But that's completely not what we're what we're aiming for. Um, excuse me. You know, I'll admit that when we first opened on day one, I probably thought that we might have go more towards the athletic population. But as actually, what we are and what we work, who we work with is people that just want to make an improvement and want a little bit of a different experience to what a gym is. And we guide people through all of their training programs. Like you said, we're a training ground. Or we have that kind of um, training ground mentality and that we're a multidisciplinary team or working with one person um, and you you can have any any goal to 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 um, be a member here there's no kind of um, there's no barrier there there's no minimum requirement to to come down we just want to work with people who are like-minded can have a good time and and, and enjoy training like I said want something a little bit different out of um, and what are the things gym. so when you get a new person what are the things you're looking at to, to kind of assess work on improve like give me some fundamentals of yeah training. so we, we often start off well first of all we we, we talk to them I, I want everyone to feel like they've got ownership over their own program <clears throat> so any any program starts with with where they are you know this is my training goal this is what I want to achieve this is my um, training background and my injury history anything that's that's relevant to that and that gives me a good idea of, of where we're going to start with it with a training program but we might look at the fundamentals of various movements. We might look at a bit more detail of um, muscle balances or imbalances, as it might be. So there might be some um, more objective um, numbers that we can get around, um, for example, hamstring strength versus quad strength or left versus right hamstring strength, just as one example. Um, if someone's got a little bit of an injury or, or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, we, we try and be as objective as possible as well as, uh, so collecting as much objective data as possible to give us some numbers to work off and, and hopefully drip feed that back in to make sure we're making an improvement. Um, but 
as well as that, like I said, people need their own, or I want people to have their own um, ownership of their program, feel like it's going in the right direction for them. And I always say to people, nothing's set in stone. If they go two weeks into the program and they want to change the direction of it, oh, I want to try a bit more of that, a bit less of this, it's super easy just to kind of mm. throw out what we've done and, and change things up a bit. Thank you. So I guess moving into more of the career stuff, because I'm aware there might be people listening to this who want to do similar work to what you are doing and have done. Um, what would you say to that kind of undergrad student studying away? Like, what would you say to that person now in terms of what you've learned? Like, what are your nuggets? If you were doing a, a presentation yeah. to a bunch of students, what would you say? I think everyone learns the same thing at university, don't they? So you, you all get the, go to the same lectures, you learn the same textbook stuff which is obviously very relevant and valid and you need to follow that in your as a practitioner. But the biggest thing is just to be personable. Mm. So if you're looking to um, get into this industry as a career, you know, you could be the most knowledgeable person in the world, but if you can't work with different personalities and different, um, and have conversations with people of different backgrounds and help to get the best out of one personality versus another personality and get the best out of both of them, then it's going to be really difficult for you to, to kind of push that forward. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you struggle with that, but you can recite a textbook, then it's not as, um, it's just not as impactful. Mm. I'd much rather have the person who's much better with the soft skills and can really kind of make people feel special and important, which is what we go for here. Um, and then, and work on that knowledge. Cause that, those textbooks aren't going anywhere. You can always dip back, dip back into those and, and kind of revisit any lectures that you've, that you've gone and do CPD and all the rest of it. But I think it's really difficult to get those soft skills right. And I, that only comes with coaching people. So, mm. you know, not to bury your head in, in learning. Like, and, and it is important. But to really say yes to every opportunity that comes your way to coach people, to watch people, how they operate, how they work. And... And you know, I'm I'm not going to pretend that I've always been the coach that I am today. I probably won't be in the next five years either. Because I was going to say, have you got any stories of like nightmare <clears throat> coaching situations where, for me, yeah, or, like a warm up or something that went terribly wrong, uh, <laughs> or times you've been like almost like put on the spot and just go for it, take take that take that group off and do that. Yeah, yeah, a couple of times. So I think you know, early early on in in football, and it can be quite ruthless. Like you know, mm. if you're if you're an intern or if you're a junior. Um, S&C coach in a, in a football environment I can remember a couple of times setting the warm up up thinking I've uh, well I'm you know warming up the first team thinking I've got more time than I have the first team coach comes over and goes we're starting in five seconds and I've got about three cones out on the yeah. on the um, on the pitch and it's uh, yeah that that certainly makes you focuses the mind mm. but it, you know it's, it's things like that make you think on the spot and if you if you need to have a quiet word with the with the coach, you know it's not just the people you're coaching. It might be other other peers. Mm. It might be that oh, I just need another couple of minutes to set this up. You know, how do you do that? That's what I mean about soft skills. How do you do that in a, in the right way rather than you know potentially bark back or you know get do do it the wrong way? So um, I think that, like I say, you, you kind of learn as you go, and uh, yeah, it's uh, there's nothing that comes to mind immediately it might be that's good it sounds like your um, your internship at Reading was one of the a very big steep learning curve um, obviously here we have interns and placement students uh, at GoPerform um, 
what are we hoping for those guys? Like, what are you? Why do we do it and all that kind of stuff? What does their year look like? I guess is what I'm asking you. For anyone that might be interested in the future. Yeah, I think so. Are any intern or you know placement student that comes in? It's I, I want them to be a completely different practitioner for the better a year later. Mm. So after they come in, and I think I think we get that right. I think we've got a nice um, balance of what they experience. And the beauty of how we work, because we work alongside, excuse me, physiotherapists, um, rehab therapists like yourself, um, sports massage therapists, as well as sports scientists, S&C coaches on staff. Those guys get a really well-rounded experience. And I think the, um, like I said, the, the, the kind of the initial starting point where they come in they're normally quite nervous they're not sure about how to approach the situation they might think that it's just a observational role and we always say from day one just get yourself involved coach people introduce yourself work on those soft skills mm. um, and and by the end of the year we always see a completely a complete turnaround mm. in what that person is they're really confident coaching they their knowledge practical apl- applied knowledge is massively improved um, and, and I think, you know, they, they leave with a lot more sort of confidence and, and we have confidence in them as well. I think that goes to show we've got quite a good record of um, of employment. So Johnny, one of our uh, performance coaches here, was an intern and followed straight through. He, again, at the right time for us, um, he was available and he did a really good job on his internship and he became a full-time coach straight off the back of that. And we recently got back in touch with Will Haler, who was an intern last year, who's come back in to do some more work with us as well. Mm. So I think that shows us that year long, I don't want to call it an interview because it's not like every single person can, mm. you know, is, is able to go through that same process as those guys, but it's a year long process of just figuring out who, what kind of practitioner you want to be and then going away and, and becoming that even more. Yeah. And hopefully being challenged too. So in terms of yeah. doing sessions, so Ryan this week did a presentation on low back pain rehabilitation, which was pretty cool. Um, so we're really keen on developing and challenging and uh, yeah, pushing people and not just kind of having some some help for the year, essentially. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's um, not, it's what does not a typical day look like here then for, for someone that was on placement or or just someone that works here from you know seven in the morning till nine? What does that look like, Trist, for people that don't know? Yeah, I think I kind of get asked this a little bit as well and it's not, it sounds a bit cliche, but there isn't really a, a typical day. Um we have a timetable of group sessions, which is our Elevate membership, where we coach people in groups of up to 10. Um, so the day off always starts and finishes with those, and we have another one or two in the middle of the day. Um, but in between that, we have one-to-one um, personal training sessions. We might have CPD sessions, like you mentioned, Ryan delivered something the other day. Um, we do we deliver testing sessions, so physiological testing, VO2 max, blood lactate um, tests. Um, so there's no there's no two days the same. It's always you know different people coming through the door, different requirements. Whether it's those testing ones or personal training sessions, um, there might be rehab sessions to get involved with alongside the physios. So Luke might be delivering a group rehab session. Everyone with very specific different injuries. And we might be involved from a S&C perspective. One of us might be involved with those guys trying to help them out. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's many and varied. But that's what makes it really fun. That's what makes it really exciting mm. to kind of be 
be part of it. Very good. And we have school visits as well. So we have schools and colleges come and do uh, educational field trips. So that's something as well, as well that people get involved with. Um, and they happen often kind of late morning or late afternoon or early afternoon um, around our training time. So, yeah, it's certainly grown a lot, hasn't it? And I think we've just gone with whatever's been an opportunity at the time. Um, and I guess with that in mind, have you got any dreams and hopes for the future like in terms of your role here, um, potentially how GameFall might develop? What do, you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's always something that I like to think about and, and try and look towards the future because... I think the nice thing about how we operate is that there's no, there, there is no ceiling to it. You know, we've got a really great building here where people can come in and out, and we've, we're growing a really great um, staff, members of staff that can that deliver on on what we what we ask of them. Um, so I think you know branching out into many different sort of avenues. So I, for example, I used to work in in the corporate environment. I'd love to explore that. Mm. Um, Reading's a great. Um, sort of town in, in terms of that there's lots of lots of um, corporate uh, companies and, and areas in, in the local area that uh, that might be accessible from, from that front much more with schools you mentioned about educational visits but from the from the perspective of just supporting PE staff and, and supporting scholar athletes things like that I think we can really really go further with um, and then who knows it might be another building mm. another one like this at, at some stage in the in the future as well. I'd love to get to that stage where there's more than one go performance. Mm. Uh, it's it, like I said, there's no ceiling to it. I think the the environment and the culture that we that we try and build it's it's hard to replicate, but it's certainly not impossible to replicate because I think we've we've got a really nice mix. And if we're really smart about how we develop that, then there's no reason it can't it can't be matched somewhere else and, and mm. hold the whole thing picked up and, and taken elsewhere as well. So. Where that is and what that looks like, who knows? Mm. But yeah, it's exciting to think that way. It certainly feels from a public health perspective that the population in the UK is more kind of interested than ever really in, in strength and conditioning, getting fitter and stronger. Um, that's been our thing, hasn't it, that we've seen, that yeah. there's no shortage of people taking their health seriously now, um, which is really exciting. And I think people are educated and they want, you know, the best essentially, or you yeah. know, the most informed people helping them with their with their training yeah absolutely i think like like you said there's people are, are much more interested certainly post-covid i think you know people want people want to look after themselves they're more aware of what they're putting into their body what foods that they're eating how much they're sleeping their general wellness and like you said they're more they're more educated so that's a big kind of challenge for us as coaches as well is speaking to our members and our clients can we get the best out of each person as an individual mm. they might have really interesting insightful questions about a nutrition topic that they've come across um, so you know that's that's a challenge for us to make sure we're, we're helping to guide them on the right track um, you know and it's a privilege that they they see us as a bit of an authority on those side of things so we do our level best to if we need to upskill ourselves on those areas and and, mm. and work on it with them and and take them forward with that so yeah, I think, uh, you know, having that that different um, approach to health and wellness is quite refreshing for people when they come in through the door. Mm. And, you know, we talked about people's perceptions of needing to be an athlete to come in here. I think once people understand that we're here to support them, whatever, 
whatever it is, whatever their, their training goal or outcome, rehab, whatever it might be, um, then they, they really buy in. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a, creates a really great environment to, to be part of. That is probably a good place to finish that part of the interview. I think I've just got one more question from Alex. Um, I'm a huge fan of Desert Island Discs. And his question was, if you were stuck on a desert island, what would be the one exercise? If you could only do one exercise, one exercise. what would it be? Wow. Um, have I got any equipment with me? Or Body weight only. Body no, weight only? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know. That, you've, you've thrown me. Okay, well, body weight only. Tell me what you're going to say. I landed on a desert island with like a, a bar. Well, it's some rocks bar. and stuff, isn't rocks it? Rocks and stuff. Okay. I might fashion a, some kind of bar. I Probably an overhead squat. I, I always would say that my desert island exercise is an overhead squat because it's quite good. Upper body, lower body. Um, yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with an overhead squat. Very good. <laughs> we'll take that. Um, so that is the end of this uh, this podcast. Um, the plan with these is basically to interview interesting people about interesting topics and stories. Um, so we've got a bunch of athletes here and people that we know um, that have really interesting perspectives. So we'll try and keep them fairly succinct um, and hopefully they'll be good. And so there'll be more of these in the future. But for today, thank you, Tristan, so much Cheers, yeah, for sharing your ideas. Fun. And um, yeah, we'll be back soon.